This is Internet Marketing. Welcome back to the show where we give you the lowdown, the inside information, the word from the experts to help you use the internet as part of your marketing machine. Internet Marketing is brought to you by Academy Internet at academyinternet.com and Wireworld Productions at wireworldproductions.com. I'm Andy White, and in episode 26, well, we have a big apology, really. It's been nearly five weeks since the last episode, and no, we haven't podfaded. We've just both been extremely busy, me and Daniel. But in this segment, we are covering online PR, and we're also going to have a section at the end of feedback, where we'll be reading out some of the emails where people have asked questions or made comments and we will be addressing those comments and answering the questions, so stay tuned. But before we go on, I'd just like to mention our main sponsor, Academy Internet. They've been our sponsor from the start and we're really pleased about that and they provide experts like Daniel and Graham. They're a full-service online marketing agency who cover the full spectrum of online marketing activities and objectives. And it's all about using the technology to make your business work. And they're happy to guarantee that they'll improve your return by at least 30%. You can find them at www.academyinternet.com or you can call them on 44 if you're outside the UK or 0 if you're within the UK, 1273 7344. Right, shut on to today's main topic. And I started off by asking Daniel what had been happening in the internet marketing news for the last five weeks. There's been a lot going on, um, and a lot of the stuff has been related to kind of um, social media um, places where, you know, things are shifting, all the Web 2.0 stuff that we've been talking about. So there's been lots of individual articles. What we found is really interesting is as all this social media news is happening, a lot of companies are realizing they need to get, kind of get into it a bit more. And the key thing that's a bit of interest is that I've been running around the country doing training for PR companies. Now, it's quite strange to think, well, why are you doing PR training? Well, it's purely because we're doing online PR training for these companies. So they're realizing that there's a demand from their clients to be able to do online PR. So that's what we're going to cover today in the main topic. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of carry on to that as we go through the day because it's quite a big topic to go through. Um, so that's what's been keeping me busy. So uh, what have you been up to, Andy? Can I just ask a quick question? Yes. So are you saying there is a bigger demand from PR companies to learn about online PR? And do you think that's a global trend? I think it very much so is. And the reason is their clients are saying to them, oh, we need to know about social media, that Web 2.0. They're all hearing about it and they don't quite understand how they can use it. You know, how does a corporate blog work? What should you do with it? And that kind of thing. So the demand is definitely, definitely increasing. And it very much is shown, proved to us by the fact we've got PR agencies coming to us saying, we need to do this and we need to do it now. Normally, there'd be a couple of week lead time before you went to do a training course as you developed it. We've been t- we need to do the training in three days. I need my whole PR team trained up in three days. So there is, it is shifting. The other thing I hear, Andy, is uh, hey, you've got a couple of new podcasts out there as well. Well, funny you should mention that. <laughs> funny you should mention that, actually. I'm going to use our own podcast to pimp, blatantly pimp, my two new podcasts. That's entirely fair. Is that entirely fair? Listeners, do please check out a couple of new podcasts. They're nothing to do with internet marketing, because I do have other passions as well. The first one is a podcast called Brilliant You, which is where I interview successful people and uh, tease out sort of the essence of what made them successful. And that can be found at www.brilliantyou.org. So that's B-R-I-L-L-I-A-N-T-Y-O-U. Dot org. Listen straight off the website, or it is in iTunes now. The other one, 
Um, if you're interested in Brighton, which is where I live, Brighton, UK, which does have a bit of notoriety throughout the world, uh, namely its pier, which keeps getting burnt down repeatedly, then do have a look at the Eventful Brighton podcast, which can be found at www.eventfulbrighton.org. Again, listen off the website or find it in iTunes. Feedback would be greatly appreciated. I know you guys are great at giving feedback. And we'll be covering a couple of emails, actually, that we've had recently. So please do check those out. <laughs> Danny, what, what are we covering today? I wanted to talk about online um, PR because we've been running quite a few training courses lately for um, big PR agencies in London um, that want to know about online PR and how they can fit it into their clients. And it's brought out a lot of things that I thought were quite interesting, might be interesting to our listeners. Okay, well, let's start off by looking at online PR in perspective. I mean, how does it differ, Daniel, from traditional PR? Okay, um, traditionally in PR, what you do is you identify the publications or the venue or wherever it is you want to kind of get out and, and, and talk to your audience. So, for example, you'll pick a magazine and you'll try and influence the editor to allow them to put your press release in, maybe your story in your editor or whatever it may be. Essentially, um, online PR isn't that different, but there's a few different routes into it. You need to look at the web, work out where your target audience is actually reading on the web and interacting, um, and then you need to work out ways of getting into that area. Now, there's a few different ways of doing it. Um, the key thing, again, this rolls back to the search engines. Okay, If uh, your user is searching for a particular topic, um, whether or not it's your product or service, but it's when you know at that point you want to interact with them and get your name in front of them, you need to find out where those areas are, and that's keyword research again. That's working out what people are searching on and when. Um, and you have to remember where they are in the buying cycle. You have to remember, are they researching generally? Are they on a very specific topic? Um, what sites are they visiting? Are they visiting news websites? Are they visiting um, discussion forums, blogs, all that kind of thing? And you need to identify where they're going to go. Okay, So that's the first step of doing the research. And that's often... Can I just bit. interject? Mm. How does one work out where these people hang out on the, on the web? Sure. I think... First of all, you need to think, okay, what do I think they're searching for? And you'll have a vague idea what people will be searching for. Okay? You put those search terms in and you'll see the top websites come up. Okay? That will give you a viewpoint as to where they're actually searching and what, what they're getting. But you're not always going to know the search terms. Okay? So what you need to do is use some keyword research tools. Things like Word Tracker. So if you go to wordtracker.com, uh, there's a free trial version and there's a full version. Okay? And you can put a keyword in and it will give you um, other words that people have been searching on in similar to that word. Some of it will be nonsense, but there's some good information that you can find in there. Okay, So that can kind of point you in the right directions. Um, so you do a search in Google, you'll get a certain amount of information, you'll see some websites, but a lot of them will be businesses trying to compete with you. Um, so that's not actually ideal. That's not going to tell you entirely what's going on. What you then want to do is, okay, look at our competitors and say, where are they being mentioned? Where are people discussing them? So if you go into Google, um, it's something we've mentioned before, and you put in the word link, then colon, then their website address, mm -hmm. it will tell you who's linking to that website. Okay? And similarly, you can do it for your website to monitor what's, what's going on and where you're being discussed. There's a little side note. Am I right in thinking that when you put link and then the website in Google, mm. it doesn't show you all the links? No, absolutely. It will show you what Google considers important. Um, but what Google considers important is a bit of a black art and is only known by Google. So it will give you a limited amount of information. Okay. But still useful. Absolutely, yeah, still very, very useful. Okay, um, And that's often you do in search engine optimization as well to work out what's going on there. Okay, So you've worked at some of these key terms. Um, you need to look into other places as well. 
okay so if you go into Google and along the top you'll see that you can search in the kind of discussion forums and discussion groups okay so instead of just doing a normal search you do a groups search okay how do you do group search just like you would along the top you've got um, normal search like web search you've got pictures you've got groups you've got maps and just select groups okay and that will actually search in um, what used to be called the Usenet discussion forums which are loads of discussion forums out there on the web on thousands and thousands of topics so you can again have a little search in there search on some keywords and you'll see where things are being discussed relevant to your target audience okay so for example in there you can go in and you could put in if you are um, we did some work with a Mazda dealership recently so we put in MX-5 which is a particular you know, thing that people like to talk about particular car um, and your final discussion forums where Mazda kind of fans and MX-5 fans will hang out and talk about things. Um, what you can then realise is, okay, can I add something to this discussion forum? Okay, I can't just put a post in there saying, um, look at our press release, isn't it great? Because you will get flamed to death. And by flaming, I mean people being very upset that you're just trying to use the discussion forum for commercial purposes. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is if you have knowledge of a particular area, you can get involved in the discussions. You can show that you're a valid member of that discussion forum. And then after a while, if you've got decent quality content on your website, you can say, look, here's my comment on this particular topic. Here's our website. You might find something else of interest there. But again, it boils down to having good content. Um, and that's where it often differs from um, standard PR. Standard PR, you can put a news item out there and it will get into a news section. Um, quite often with online PR, you need to think about content and context. Why, why would somebody be looking for a particular topic? How can you move them into that by providing information on something else? It sounds like a more subtle art to me. It is, and you've got to provide something of value. Um, you're, you're not trying to fool anyone. What you need to do is actually work out, again, what kind of content people are interested in. Um, you can just publish news online. There's lots of places that you can submit news to, um, PR stories, and they will submit them to other places. If you get onto a good website, that will then get fed into the Google News search as well. But it's generally a paid service, um, and it's quite hard to get the coverage. Now, this is quite interesting because if you compare it to something like search engine optimization, which is all about doing stuff to your site mm. to increase the chances of people finding it yeah. naturally, this is more like kind of... Um, do, kind of doing the same thing but with your general web presence and by that I mean not just your site but any reference on the web anywhere on the web outside of your website like, like comments on blogs forums, discussion groups where you might have a presence it's like what you put in there um, such that people will find it useful and either sooner or later come back to your site that's absolutely right and um, the common term that comes into inline PR is social media optimization. SMO is a new kind of thing that's kind of everyone's talking about and it's mm -hmm. literally about all these discussion forums and blogs and um, how do you optimize and get content into those um, and a lot of it is by interacting and actually providing good quality content you mentioned blogs there blogs are one of the most important um, things that you can utilize for online PR we're going to talk about that a bit further down the list aren't we yeah we absolutely are I think it's um it's an important topic and there's, you can create your own blog or you can influence other people so mm -hmm. so we'll come back to that towards the end as well um, so getting in the searches is really important, but it's not just about your website. It's about other people's websites and where else you're being mentioned. Can you interact elsewhere? Okay. The other thing is you can use pay-per-click in a quite a different way for online PR as well. A, a fair amount of um, online PR for big companies will be about crisis management. Um, stories come out that's very negative or their competitors brought out a product that's blindsided them and they, they need to do something about it. Um, there's a rumor going on that's rubbish but needs to be kind of dealt with. Now, people will start to search for things on the web. Um, 
And obviously, it's going to take you a while. You know, it might take six months to get to the top of the organic listings. That's no good if you need to do something now. And this is where pay-per-click can become useful. Um, just an example story. The um, iPod Nano came out, and the sales were absolutely roaring along really, really well. And then suddenly, somebody mentioned somewhere, um, oh, my screen has scratched really easily. Mm. Somebody else said, so is mine. Oh, so is mine. And it rocketed. It was on the um, like national news in the UK within about 24 hours. Uh, sales dropped down to absolutely nothing. People were searching nano screen, nano screen scratch, all that kind of thing. Um, and what could have been done was a pay-per-click ad could have been done on those search terms to address the issue saying, yes, that batch did scratch, but there's a new version coming out. And, and you know, they could have given their side of the story. So quite often, if something's happening, you need to work out what the key search terms are. There will quite often be only two or three very strong search terms that everyone's searching on because they have a limited understanding of the topic uh, and you need to be number one for those search terms. Just going back to that interesting example of mm. the Nano, did Apple actually respond to that in any way? They did, but it took too long. Um, How did they respond? What did they do wrong? Well, they, the, the thing that they, they came out and it took them a few days to kind of put a response together and say what they were going to do about it and do the research. And by that time, it had got to such a big scale on the web um, that it just the sales had dropped down to nothing, and it was until not until the next version came out that you know sales turned around again. Um, the other thing uh, you need to be aware of is if you're doing all this activity online, you need to be able to monitor it. Okay, if you start getting mentioned all over the place, um, how how do you know where you're being mentioned and what's being said? Well, I think I know where this is going now. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I mean I, I, what I'll do is I'll go into blogs now because this relates very much to blogs, and then we'll kind of come back to that point. Okay. Um, the way a lot of blogs work, okay, you leave a comment, you know, you, you, you'll write an article and someone will comment on it. A lot of bloggers will comment on each other's blogs, okay, which leads to one story creating lots and lots of posts all over the place. Because a lot of content that's created in blogs isn't new content. It's comments on someone else's comments on somebody else's content. So this is why things can explode in blogs. One, because lots of people read them. They get, do well in the search engines. Lots of people can feed back into them, give their kind of opinion. Um, but also because they tend to go from one blog to the next blog to the next blog with these comments, something can drive up very, very quickly. Um, we were being told a story quite recently by a guy, uh, Giles, that runs a company called Magpie. And they do a bit of software that monitors brands online. And what this piece of software does is it uh, monitors about a million websites and blogs and online kind of areas. Um, and it looks for brands and it looks at their names being mentioned. Then what it does is some clever kind of computer science stuff and it works out if it's, com if it's a negative comment or it's a positive comment. If it flags up lots of activity on the topic, you can then drill down and work out what's going on. Okay? Um, and this tool was being used to monitor Sony. Okay? And Sony were doing the adverts the Bravia. Um, they ran them in the UK and basically what was happening was that there was the first advert which was thousands of bouncing balls bouncing down a hill. Massively, massively popular. Sony caught on to this, realized there was lots of discussion of it in the blogs. So they decided to release the next one um, online to a certain extent. And they went to the key bloggers. They worked out who were the key bloggers that were writing about their particular product. So what they did, they found those key bloggers, the key influencers, and they sent them clips of the new ad, which was the one exploding a building with paint. Very kind of colorful ad again. Um, they went forward and did that. It got lots of buzz going on the web. All the bloggers were talking about it. Then they released the ad, and it was absolutely massive. It went off really, really well. Okay. Problem was, a little bit later, I'm not sure of the time scale, someone said, oh, what happened to all the paint? 
Okay, all this paint was going into the soil. Was this a really bad environmental thing? Um, and then a few other people mentioned it, and it started snowballing really, really quickly. Now, because they were using this brand monitoring software that looked at this stuff, they really quickly identified it, quickly put out a press release, did all this kind of thing to say, uh, nope, it's organic paint. We cleaned up afterwards. The actual area was in better state when we left it than when we arrived in the first place. Okay. Did that do the trick? It did, absolutely, because you, you could see the activity through the software that said it was growing, 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 absolutely snowballing. Sony put the stuff out, stopped. Pretty much you know, cut it dead in its track. So um, online PR can be a massive thing. It's not a straightforward thing because you're looking at lots of different areas. Um, but it does boil down to a lot of the same things that traditional PR does, i.e. you are trying to influence the influencers. But who the influencers are is now different. It's the news websites. It's the key bloggers. Um, on that topic of key bloggers, if you go into blogs.google.co.uk or .com, mm-hmm. you can look up what the kind of top blogs are and you know, on a particular topic. Um, technorati.com as well is another good place to go for Yeah, the that's the one I'm familiar with, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and by going there, you'll see what the top blogs are. The good thing about those searches is that if you do a search in there, you'll see how recently that blog was updated. Okay? And rather than it being two or three months old, like it is in a lot of the kind of search engine optimization stuff, in the organic search, you'll see like 15 minutes ago this was updated. So your blog will get published online. Um, you publish it online yourself, sorry, and then literally it will be shown in the search engines like Google very, very much quickly. Um, so it's a good way of getting information online quickly and, and you can respond to kind of things that are going on in the news very quickly as well. Just going back to monitoring um, mm. what's going on on the web, how do you rate Google Alerts? I think it's very good um, for some kind of areas. So for news... Um, and search and various other things that's going on. But for monitoring blogs, it's not ideal because there are too many blogs out there that aren't actually being included and you don't get the information you need. So there's a couple of ways of looking at it. You can either pay for a tool or pay for a service where somebody will monitor all this stuff for you and give you feedback. Um, One of the key things you can do is go into somebody like Technorati, work out who the key bloggers are in your industry, and then just read their blogs on a regular basis because you'll get a good insight to what's going on with your customers and what your customers are interested in, but it also allows you to monitor what's going on. But you can't do that 24 hours a day, so you do need some way of monitoring it automatically. Does technology not have some sort of blog monitoring mm, system? They do. They've kind of, kind of got an alert system as well where you can monitor certain keywords, um, and that can work really well as well. But the thing is you need to do this in lots of different places, mm. uh, and the advantage of having a paid service is that all these things will be done in one place. Mm. Um, but you have to trust whoever's providing it because obviously if they miss something, you, you've, you've had it really if something kind of takes off. Can you recommend anyone? Um, I don't actually at the moment. This, the Magpie, the software, is very good, but it's for bigger brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a big brand, I would definitely go for something like that. For small businesses, um, it is less of an issue because things don't tend to snowball at quite the same rate, mm-hmm. but you only have to have negative comments on two or three places that's the key influencing websites and you've got a problem. So the key thing is to identify which the key websites are. Okay? For example, if you're a hotel and you're not looking at your reviews in TripAdvisor, you're crazy because it will only take a few bad reviews in TripAdvisor to really cause you problems. You know, this is amazing because we hear you know, Web 2.0 and the, the new publishers are the blog mm. people, people with big blogs. That sounds a bit rude actually, doesn't it? But never mind, I'll carry on. <laughs> um, but you kind of forget, don't you? There's a, there's a bit of a negative side to it as well, because if, if they blog negatively about you, you've got a serious problem. You need to monitor it. Yeah, it really is an issue. Um, to give you an example, one of uh, Microsoft's key PR agencies um, have uh, basically a team that deal completely with online PR. 
okay? And more and more it's becoming an issue. And rather than identifying the magazines, they look for the key bloggers because it's technology tends to be some of the top blogs. Um, and they influence those people. And they invite the bloggers to events. They send them corporate gifts. They all, do, all the kind of things they used to do for the kind of um, the journalists, they're doing for online journalists now, which is fundamentally what bloggers are. Um, there was an interesting survey that basically asking bloggers if they consider themselves journalists. It was a relatively small percentage that did, but at the end of the day, it's freelance journalism. Well, if that isn't an incentive to become a, a big <laughs> name blogger, I don't know what isn't, or even what is. Completely, and I think all it boils down to again is PR is PR, and what it's about is getting your message in front of the right people. Um, and, I, and I think that you know, influencing the influencers has changed because you have to influence changes, but it boils down to the same things. Okay, any other areas of PR we need to cover, Daniel? Um, the only thing I'd kind of be aware of as well is look at um, setting up on your own website. These are all external kind of factors that we're talking about. You should also have an online press office on your website that's got your latest news. It's got your financial reports. It's got images that can be used, can be kind of printed elsewhere. So high resolution images that can be used to be put into publications and other websites. Um, and don't password protect it. A lot of press areas on websites are password protected. Okay, That prevents the search engines getting in. And why do you mind if your story is re, you know, put somewhere else by somebody else? It doesn't matter. So um, allow your press area to have open access and put, some, put an area for press or bloggers or that kind of thing onto your website. You'll find that bloggers want content. So if you've got some good content on your website they can actually comment on, it's a fantastic thing to do. Uh, I thought what we'd do now is have a little look at the, some of the emails we've been getting um, and just talk about some of the feedback and answer some people's questions. Sounds good to me. What's the first one? Um, Are you good at reading out, Daniel? I, I'm, I'm marvellous at reading. Daniel is, is, um, he, he's really embracing technology and he has printed Miles out... Paper the e Listen to this. He's printed out the emails on paper and he's going to read them out. Um... The, the, all of the feedback we've been getting has all been very, very positive. There's been some lots of questions there, but there was one here that came through that wasn't so positive, and I'd be interested to read it out and get other people's opinion. And I'm completely happy to take this on board if this is the case. Spill, spill the beans, Daniel. What's happened is somebody's emailed up. They said they like the podcast. It's good. They'll probably listen to it more, but they think we talk about things for too long and we don't cover things succinctly enough. Um, and the comment here was that it took 14 minutes to cover a couple of topics, and he thinks we could have covered them in four minutes. So what I've been interested to hear is if people think, should we be more, more concise about things? We tend to use quite a conversational style. So it's relatively easy listening. Um, should we not? Should we just get to the point, talk about the news articles, talk about the key topics? Is that it? Um, what would you prefer? So I'd really love to get people's feedback. So if you want to email us at contact at academyinternet.com or go to www.academyinternet.com forward slash podcast, leave us some information there. Tell us what you think and we'll take it on board happily and we'll change the style as appropriate or we'll leave it as it is. I actually think that is a great point because that person is, is probably absolutely right. We do have a very conversational style and I would suspect that some people like it and some people don't. I, I myself, if I mean, when I, I enjoy listening to our own podcast because it's us, <laughs> but if I didn't know us... I might be thinking the same way. And I do, I do quite like podcasts. I actually like both. I like, I like some podcasts which are very, very succinct. They get straight to the point And they're great. If you want some information quick, they're great for listening to. But conversely, I also enjoy some of the more conversational ones. As long as they stay on topic. I have unsubscribed to a few podcasts that are just so... 
they're just like a recording of someone talking about nothing. Mm. The the guy that wrote this email said very much the same kind of thing that he's unsubscribed to some because they're too slow to get across the point. But he also said there was some that are great. Um, he said Martin Wolf from the FT, the Business Week, um, Welchway podcast were really good, um, and that's some of the podcasts we're in the kind of top twenty five with. Uh, so it's quite interesting to hear that. So yeah, definitely people's feedback would be much appreciated. And it's interesting that it's taken us about three minutes to cover this as well because we're very conversational about I think it. We should talk about it for a bit more and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit, so, so uh, any other um, questions or emails? Yeah, th- there's one here that I thought was quite interesting because it kind of covers what we were talking about today as well. This is Clear, who Clear who has emailed us from. Um, she's got a website called Snooty Paws, which is snootypaws.com.au. Okay, um, and she's just launching another website, and she's based over in Australia. So it was quite interesting. Okay, the podcast is getting to Australia. It was quite good to hear that. And she had a few comments and said, you know, that's that's really interesting. The one thing she was talking about was review websites. And, you know, she's doing this food website now, which is uh, gcfoodguide.com.au. And she was interested in our thoughts on kind of you know, these kind of review websites, how good quality the reviews are, how legal it is when people post reviews on their own website and, you know, all that kind of thing. I did meet somebody the other day that owns one of the biggest... Uh, food review websites in the UK and I we've just approached him and hopefully he's going to do an interview with us in the next couple of weeks so uh, oh, that'll be excellent yeah so clear I hope you're saying your name right as well by the way um, how do you spell her name uh, C-L-E-A so I imagine that's whitish we'll see well, I'm not going to say it then Daniel will get all the flaming if he's pronounced it wrong exactly but hopefully we'll get him in for into the next couple of weeks that should give a bit of input on that the other point she was asking about was um, how do we feel about corporate blogs and you know should they be should they not What's the general feeling on them at the moment? Generally, corporate blogs can be a good thing if they're approached correctly. Okay, more often than not, you probably aren't going to be that interested in what the CEO of a company has got to say. Okay, but if the CEO happens to be a, a, an expert in a particular field, which generally they will be, um, and they comment on things that are going on in the news of that particular field, then it can become of interest. It gives you the opportunity to talk in a tone you wouldn't normally talk in. It's a very personal kind of medium going through blogs. So it gives the CEO the opportunity to talk to his stakeholders, be that customers, staff, whoever it is, about you know what his feelings and things are. And it can personalise things, which can be quite good. It's good for search engine traffic. And as long, again, it boils down to having good quality content. If the opinion is valid and there's a good reasoning behind it and it talks about current issues, then they will generally get read. But you need to make sure you're not just waffling on your own opinions. It has to be you know, valid, actually of interest and good quality content. More and more people are using them. The way people use them is varying. Some of the very corporate ones don't work at all because they just try to use a really corporate style. The ones that use more of a personal tone allow you to engage with the personality seem to work very well. I was at the, um, I keep saying this, but it must be, oh God, when was it? March. I was at the, the European Corporate Podcasting Summit and they were talking about podcasting, but they were also talking about blogging. And uh, one of the things that kept coming up was if you can find kind, kind of quote-unquote stars within your staff and get them to either podcast or blog, that's generally considered to be a very good thing because apparently that people want that openness and they want kind of the voice from within the company rather than the, the big sort of corporate voice. Mm. What's your opinion on that, Daniel? I think that's probably completely correct. Go- um, Google have done it and Microsoft have done it quite successfully, having letting the engineers and the people that are working on the actual kind of task at hand to do the, the, the blogs and the podcasts and things like that. And that seems to work really well because uh, people are actually interested because it does affect them. What, how, what Google's doing in the next six months affects a lot of people. So if they can listen or you know read those kind of opinions really important and it can work well you just got bottom line provide quality content and you'll get there okay so uh thank you very much for that email um it's very interesting to hear somebody from australia is uh 
is is listening to the podcast and i completely agree about what um what she said as well about i think being very us and uk centric um we make the mistake of doing it and a lot of websites are focused that way as well um another comment was made that you know it's great getting to amazon or something like that but if the shipping charge is prohibitive it's not a lot of good so i think it's easier to achieve high rankings in australia because the competition isn't there but then um, it makes other things a bit more difficult. So it's interesting hearing different parts of the world, what issues people are facing. So uh, anybody else out there wants to let us know, we'd be more than willing to cover it. And Daniel, the, there is a bit of a pile. Come on, let's do them all in one go because um, I just want to get through this. Fine, okay. More emails. Well, we've got another a good one here from uh, uh, from Mario who said, uh, great, he really likes the podcast. He's only listened to a few of them, but he had some kind of beginner's kind of questions that he wanted to ask. And I think that's great. We're more than happy to answer those kind of questions. Okay. Speak the beginner's questions. Absolutely, okay. So the first thing he said, what's the difference or purpose of a CSS versus an RSS? Okay. Uh, a CSS and RSS are very different things. Okay. They are. And they just happen to uh, look like similar abbreviations, okay? CSS is a cascading style sheet, and it's something you use within a web page to separate the style from the content, okay? So it makes, uh, if you've got 10 web pages, you might have one CSS, one kind of cascading style sheet, and that allows you to edit you know, the colors, the font, the layout, that kind of thing. So that's what a CSS is for. It's part of web design and it's about uh, separating content from design. And of course, the cool thing about that is say that you've got a website with 26 million pages and you want to change the font throughout, you just change it in one place in your CSS file, you know, whatever it's called, .css. And as if by magic, the entire site's fonts on every single page change. That's the power, isn't it? It is. It's a, it's a, it's a good way of designing for search engine optimization as well because it allows the content to be separated so that Google can kind of get its teeth into it more easily as well. So. But of course, RSS is, and I'll let you answer this, uh, real, really simple syndication. And it's a way of publishing information so it's easy to send elsewhere. Okay, So you can subscribe to RSS feeds which may be news title, news or something like that, okay? And that will send out in a certain format, which is generally XML kind of format, the key elements, so the title and the content and a link, okay? And it just makes publishing information easier. So it usually sits behind a website, doesn't it? Sometimes it's automated. Sometimes people have to hand, cr hand crank or even hand craft it. So it's basically, yeah, it's kind of... Um it, it's a sort of shorthand representation of some of the content that changes a lot, especially to be read by other computer programs like, oh, I can't think of an example now, like an, uh, um, a podcast catcher such as iTunes or an RSS reader such as Feed Reader or one of those things. Um, yeah, I mean, if you use the new version of Internet Explorer as well, you'll see that when you go to a website that's got an RSS feed behind it, the little logo lights up orange in the corner. So that's what RSS and CSS are. Two different technologies, but they sound rather similar. They do. More questions, Daniel, or comments? Uh, uh, the next question he just asked was, should he use CafeExpress.com as part of his business? Now, I've never heard of this. Have you heard of it? No, it wasn't a site I was familiar with, so I took a look at it. What it is, is just a site. That, it's basically a directory site, and there are thousands of them out there where they list websites on a particular topic. Uh, most of them will have some pay-per-click ads on them, and that's how they try and make money. So they'll use it as a kind of directory, like an online kind of yellow pages on a particular topic. Um, I don't know. I can't really comment on the quality of this one in particular. It looked like a well-designed site, but it looked like there were a lot of pay-per-click ads on it. Um, generally, as part of your search engine optimization strategy, getting into the right uh, directories is a good thing. Okay. The key thing I'd say to look at all of these directories is install the Google toolbar. So search for toolbar in Google, install the bit of software. Every site you then go to will have a page rank of 0 to 10. We, we covered this in a, a few podcasts before. And if you've got two websites you're choosing from, two directories, 
then one's got a page rank of four, one's got a page rank of five, go for the one with a page rank of five. Okay, so that's the easiest way of working out. It's good to get inbound links, it's good to be listed in directories, make sure they're worth the effort, um, make sure they're actually getting traffic, and make sure they've got a, a reasonable page rank. Okay, Daniel, what's next? Um, the last question was, uh, if somebody built this site using Dreamweaver and they're going away on vacation without their laptop, is there a way of updating their website through an online application? Okay, so they can go into a web cafe and update it. Some sort of blogging tool where you can log in and add a new post. Well, most of the blogging tools allow you to do that. If you use uh, WordPress or Blogger or any software like that, you can all log in online. In fact, most of it is that's how it's done. You log in, you go in, you can edit your existing posts, you can add new content, you can do all sorts of things with it like that. And you don't need to be on your laptop, you can just literally do it in an internet cafe or something like that. That's the cool thing about it, you don't have to be at home. You just, you just log in, all you need to do is remember your, you remember your username and password and you're in, and you could be in an in internet cafe in New Zealand and your site could be hosted in America and you could live in England, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, absolutely not. The other thing you can do as well is if you can do email from your mobile phone, you can generally set them up so you can send email to a certain address and it will publish it automatically. So you can literally send an email from your mobile phone and that will become a blog entry on yeah. your website. A lot of the new ones as well, you can send in pictures from your mobile phone and will publish automatically, and that's happening more and more now. So, yeah, I know that WordPress can do that because I use WordPress. Interesting stuff. Okay, what's next, Dan? Um, that's it for Mario. So hopefully that was hopefully useful for you, Mario. Yeah, the shuffling of papers. Absolutely. Just one quick last one I wanted to mention. Um, somebody, John, here had asked about where are the show notes. And we have mentioned them a couple of times before, and we've never produced them, I have to admit. So, We're very naughty. We are. Hang on a minute, Daniel. I always put some sort of show notes on the www.summitsolutions.co.uk site. But they're probably not as full as they might be. What I'm trying to do to address this is I'm just developing a new website now that's going to include lots of articles on all these topics. So the idea being it's basically a blog and each of these topics will be covered in a bit more detail. We'll have the same kind of content as the podcast but in a written format. So hopefully they'll be useful. Um, I think that John was trying to use them from his students. So I think he was actually from an academic institute and thought they'd be quite useful, which is good to hear. Do you think we should get this transcribed? Um, we could well do I think it might not be a bad way of doing it but I think that uh, the print format should be quite concise just have the bulleted the most important points in there so um, I've worked through done a few of those and that will probably be up next month um, you can take a look at it in progress if you want it's www.besidethesea.com um, and I'm gradually posting things up there is that everything Daniel? that's it for now I believe so that's but there's one more piece of paper oh those are your notes that you, that's your script isn't it I'll that's let you off then Daniel Rouse, thank you very, very much for um, going through the emails uh, with us. And um, we will be back very, very, very soon. Have a great week, fortnight, month. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, let's make it fortnight. We'll try and get back to the fortnightly um, emissions of uh, internet marketing. Thank you, Andy. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. I do hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would love to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments that you'd like to have featured on the show, then do send them to info at academyinternet.com. If you want to send a little WAV or MP3 file with some sort of comment on or a question, please do so, and we'd be very happy to play that as well. Uh, if you're a subscriber, we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet, well, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Go to iTunes and just search for Internet Marketing, or go to the www.summitsolutions.co.uk website or the www.academyinternet.com sites, and you can subscribe there. This is Andy White signing off. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Internet Marketing.
wireworldproductions.com.